Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Well, hello. How's everybody doing? That's good. Good to see some smiling faces. So for those of you who are online, you may not know that Pastor Mike and Elizabeth are not actually here because you've seen them already this morning. They were just magically here by the power of video. Um, and anyway, whoo, got loud here. I like it. it. Sounds awesome. We good? Okay. We'll, usually, so side story here. Usually when Pastor Mike is running and I'm running sound, he's like, turn it down, turn it down. I'm always having to turn it down just a little. But it's hard to hear back there, and I like to know what he's saying. But, so we find a balance there. But today, Chuck and I both know we want Chuck to hear what I have to say. And he's going to do a great job. Y'all didn't need to know that. I'm just getting comfortable up here. And, you know. Anyway, did I say where Pastor Mike was? I didn't, did I? No, I, I just got on, on my own little thing. So Pastor Mike is helping a sister church of ours celebrate an anniversary. He's going there to just encourage them and be a part of that. And we're just glad to be able to do that. So he's asked me to preach. So, as usual, when he says, hey, okay, it's your turn, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, God, what do you want me to say? What do you, and I don't, I don't ever want to come in with, you know, you know, just my ideas. I try to, like, you know, see what God says. And he said, I, I felt like he put a lot of stuff into me today about talking against fear. I feel like I've seen a lot of people afraid of a lot of different things. There's a lot of unknown out there. There's a lot of things that are going on. And so, a lot of ideas came, and I'm trying to put them, you know, into some kind of a straight line path so that I'm not all over the place, but I still have to get over my way that my mind works, and so it's going to be, thank you for the journey. I'm glad, inviting you all to come with me on that. We'll see, see how it works. Um, so the title of today's sermon is Fear Not, and we're going to be going through uh, Judges chapter 6, um, talking about the life of Gideon. We were introduced to him in this chapter, and um, I just want to pick up with, uh, <clears throat> so a little bit of backstory. I wanna, I'm going to start reading in uh, Judges 6, 11, but the backstory I'm going to summarize. Um, the people of Israel fell out of favor with God. They basically started doing evil things. They started setting up altars to other gods and doing things that, like basically putting their trust and faith in not God, just not leaning on him the way they were supposed to. And as a result of this, the, uh, the, uh, the Midianites were able to come in and rule over the Israelites for like seven years. And they basically would just come in and plunder, take all of their crops, all of their, you know, whatever they could find, they would just take everything and leave. The Israelites were just desolate. And they're like, but, but God, we're your people. And he's like, are you? You know, are you my people? Is this what's going on? So this is where um, we, we come up and we find the, there's an angel of the Lord that's sent to the Israelites and comes and talks to, uh, to Gideon. So Judges 6, 11, 11, and we'll just start. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah. I never looked up what that was, but I'm assuming it's just something. It belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, um, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Where does the term mighty man of valor come from? It's a thought I have. Like, you know, usually when, when an angel comes to, like, to greet someone, like we look at, like, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, he says, 
do not be afraid, because he's this massively huge, powerful, obviously, you know, commanding presence that just appears out of nowhere. And he has to tell them, first off, don't freak out. He doesn't do that with Joshua. Uh, no, sorry, not Joshua. Gideon. With Gideon, he, he starts off telling him, mighty man of valor. Now, what is Gideon doing at the time that this happens? He is, he is hiding grain in a wine press. That's not where you usually hide grain, but my guess is the wine press, it wasn't like grape season. Those weren't what was going on. So when all these people came, they wouldn't be looking in the wine press. This was a place he could safely store things so they could have grain for when the after... He was basically preparing for something that was going to happen, something that was inevitable. He was just kind of in survival mode. But he wasn't in, like, he was dealing with it, but he wasn't actually preparing to do anything about it. Does that make sense? So, not that he was necessarily called to do that, but that's why the angel's here. The angel is here to go, listen, I need you to do more. So he says, let's see, where am I? Sorry. And Gideon said it. Now, this is, this is his immediate response to being called man of valor. His, Gideon's first words to the angels are, um, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? It's not, oh, praise you. Oh, you know, it's, starts with an argument, which suggests some courage. You know, he's, he's not afraid. He's going to, this is what's on my heart. I'm mad about this. You know, where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers have recounted to us and saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midians as one man. So, that's pretty impressive. Okay, God's going to do something. But before he's asked to do that, he's given him a task. The task is to go into the town where his town has set up an idol to Baal and an Asherah pole. These are two things that are basically praising something that's not God, and it's supposed to protect the, the, the country or the, the, that little town. And so he, God said, I want you to just go in and destroy both of those. He said, first of all, Take your two, the two bulls that belong to your father. Use those to pull it down and destroy it. The original bulldozer. I thought that was fun when it struck me. Y'all don't have to think it's funny. It's okay. But took two bulls, pulled the thing down, destroyed it, and then sacrificed the second bull onto, that, onto the altar that you build from the rubble. And this was basically a stand-in-the-ground moment. Like, no, we are not worshiping these things. These things aren't helping us. They are actually in the way of God blessing us. We're going to remove that. But the Bible also says he does it at night because he knows that people would stand against him if he did it during the day. So people wake up to this thing that they're proud of being destroyed and a cow sacrificed across it. It's, you know, it's a pretty gory sight. So they start asking, who did this? And they, then, you know, it wasn't done in secret and he made enough noise. Somebody knew. He also had 10 other people helping him. So someone talked. It, was, it became obvious. Gideon was the one who did this. They go to talk to his father, and they say, bring him out. We're going to kill him. 
And I really, I had never noticed this in the story before, so I thought this was cool. I really liked the father's reaction. He said, I'm going to find it. <laughs> but Joash said to all who were against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you save him? Whoever contends to, for him will be put to death by morning. But if he is a god, let him contend for himself, because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerobel, which means let Baal contend against him. Father doesn't say he did right, he did wrong. He said what he did, he did against Baal. It's not your job to take him out for Baal. Let Baal do it for him. If that was a bad thing, let Baal be the one that judges. Line in the sand. You know, this, this is, this is if, if Baal is worth worshiping, we're going to we'll let Baal take care of him. And, you know, so Gideon gets this, like, nickname that means contends with Baal. I think maybe in today's vernacular it'd be the Baalinator. I mean, I'm not going to use that again because I know it just sounds a little silly, but I'm just making sure you're with me. Um, so in, in Judges 33, immediately after all this happens, um, like the next line, you know, you've done good. Now all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east came together and they crossed the Jordan and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon, and he sounded the trumpet, and the Abezerites, love these names, were called out to follow him. And they sent messengers all throughout Manasseh, and they too were called out to follow him. And the messengers from Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, I think I'm getting these actually, all went out to meet him. And at this point in the story, I'm looking at Gideon was preparing for something horrible when he was you know, saving the wheat. God said, I want you to do this. And then immediately after he does the thing, and he really kind of has a victory, this thing that he was worried about happening happens. These people cross the Jordan. It's not a small task. And they, the, the Bible estimates, well, the Bible doesn't tell us how many people were there, but biblical scholars estimate over 100,000 people were coming to just wipe out, you know, and take all the stuff like they've been doing for the last seven years. And so you can feel like in Gideon's shoes, okay, I did what you told me to. Why didn't you stop this? You know, what's going on here? Like we're, we're now in like a survival mode again. Do what we can to survive. And it's, I think at this point, there's an amount of fear that starts to sink into, into his head. Like, okay, I did what God said. But is, is he really going to step up for me? You know what I mean? So the idea of fear, I looked up online, and a grain of salt, it was online. But it made sense. There's this, uh, I found this article by Carl Albrecht. I don't know who this person is. I'm just giving him credit for what I found. He says there are only five basic fears out of which most all other so-called fears are manufactured. Page two. Um, of the five basic fears, there are extinction, which is the fear of annihilation, of ceasing to exist. Now, before I go down this list, I'm going to pause here for just a second. Y'all ever see those like depression commercials? Are you depressed? Do you wake up in the morning and want to not get out of bed? I mean, everyone does that. And then you're more depressed for hearing it. Don't do that. I want you to acknowledge that there are fears and see them, but don't start getting afraid. Do you hear me? I'm serious, because some of these are a little annoying, but they, and, and the ones that, 
the one that you're really worried about, notice it, but don't deep dive to it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, we good? Promise? Okay, you won line two. Okay. Extinction is the fear of annihilation, of ceasing to exist. The fear of a fundamental... Is, is, this is a more fundamental way to express more, more than just the fear of death, is the idea of no longer being... The, the idea of no longer being arouses a primary existential anxiety in all normal humans. Consider that uh, panicky feeling you get when you look over the hedge, over the edge of a high building. So like when you can you go look to the edge like, whoa, that's that kicking in going, hey, this is, this is normal. Um, mutilation, the part of losing any part of our precious body or the thought of having the, our boundaries invaded or losing the integrity of an organ or body part of natural function. Okay, y'all are still not freaking out, right? Promise we are all good? We're still good? Okay, good. Loss of autonomy, being immobilized, paralyzed, restricted, enveloped, overwhelmed, and trapped. We're still not going there, but that fear exists. Like, it, it, and an example of this is claustrophobia, but it also works on social interactions for some people. Um, separation, the fear of abandonment, rejection, loss, connectedness, and becoming a non-person or not wanted, or not being respected or valued by everybody else. The silent treatment, when imposed by a group, can be devastating to a particular target. Ego death. This one was a new term for me. The fear of humiliation, shame, or other mechanism of, of profound self-disapproval that threatens the loss of integrity of self. But the same article actually had a piece of advice that said, which of course is not scriptural, but I thought was really good. It said, when we let go of the notion of fear that is welling up as evil forces within us and see fear as information, we can think about it consciously. Does that make sense? So it's the fear itself, like there's nothing to fear but fear itself. The fear is just a thought. It's not doesn't make anything bigger or smaller. It's just the acknowledgement of something that, that, that has got your attention. And it's natural, it's good, but you need to not dwell on it. Um, some that made me kind of, you know, that I thought of, that, you know, like kind of the next level up, the fear of lack, where we don't have the resources, you know, we're out of toilet paper again. Oh my goodness, everyone go buy toilet paper. Oh look, we're out. Why were we out of toilet paper? Because someone told you we were out of toilet paper and we cleared the shelves. That worked too well. A couple weeks ago, there was a, a shortage of, of uh, cream cheese, and then boom, you can't get cream cheese for two weeks. You know, it's going to snow. What do we lose? Milk and bread for milk sandwiches while we eat at home instead of shoveling our driveways. I don't know. It's just something that always happens. <clears throat> Fear of missing out. Have y'all heard of this one? FOMO? That's what that means, fear of missing out. Like, Things are going to happen, and I'm just going to miss it. I'm usually like, that's fine. I don't have to do anything about it. That's, that's easy. That, that one doesn't personally bother me. Um, but the fear of loneliness, like, you know, I'm not just missing out. There are other people, you know, doing stuff. I want to be with people, but I can't. One thing that you can do against that, life groups. There you go. We're, we're launching life groups this week. There are, I think, 17 different ones that you can go and be a part of. Um, but... Outside of that mechanism, just telling somebody that you know cares for you in your church family says, I'm lonely. You know, acknowledge if that's actually happening, something, know about it. Don't be afraid of it. 
Just use it as information and ask someone to help you with it. Cool. So how does Gideon deal with this? As he's looking at his fears on stuff. Um, Gideon returns to the place where God met him for reassurance. He actually goes back and he is like, okay, God, you told me to be this mighty man of valor and to, that you would use me as one man to defeat the Midianites. He said, but I'd, I'd like some reassurance. And he said, I want you to do me a favor, just for my own whatever. I'm going to put out a fleece that is basically a sheepskin. I'm going to lay it out on the, flesh, on, the, on the floor here, and I want it to, be, it to be soaking wet, but all the area around it dry. It'd be kind of difficult for that to just magically happen overnight, whatever. And so Gideon comes up the next day, he picks it up, and they said it's enough to wring out and fill a small bowl. It's, it's, it's soaking wet, not just a little. <coughs> and Gideon says, thank you, God, praise you, that's awesome. And if your anger wouldn't boil up too much with me, I'd like one more test, please. May I have one more test? He says, could we do the opposite this time? The ground is soaking wet and the fleece is dry. We don't have God's reaction except the next day he does it. And so Gideon, with this absolute confirmation that God is on his side, says, okay, we'll go. This is what we're going to do. So these people were already gathering towards him and they count their numbers. And, you know, they're counting it up and looking and going, okay, well, let's see how many we've got. And they get 22,000 people. And remember that the estimate is over 100,000 people are invading. That's not quite there. So Gideon goes to God and he says, God, we have a problem with numbers. And God says, yep, you've got too many. He said, no, 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 no. We're the ones with 22,000. I, I, if I misspoke, I'm sorry. But we're the ones with 22,000. They have over 100,000. God says, no, no, no. You, I know the numbers. You have too many. And he's like, okay, what do you want me to do? Okay, you know what's going on. There's a problem. What's your solution? He said, so he said, tell all the people that are afraid to go home. So the fear leaves the camp, leaving 10,000 people. 10,000 people say, I'm not afraid. Fear has not overcome me. I'm, I'm ready I may have fear, but I'm dealing with it well. I'm, I'm willing to do this. So he now has 10,000 people. That's a tenth of the number he needs to be equal. You know, God's tithing here. Anybody see that? Isn't that kind of fun? Um, and Gideon goes, okay, we're down to 10,000. Is that few enough for you? And God says, no. Okay, now what do I do? He says, okay, now I want you to tell everyone to come to the river and drink. And he said, and observe how they drink. So the ones that just reach and scoop up, which is kind of the customary way you do it, they're the ones I want you to send home. The ones that lap it up like a dog. Now, in Scripture, when they compare a person to a dog, it's never favorable. It's not like, he was so loyal. Every time I saw him, he was delighted to see me. He never scratched me like a cat. You know, that type of thing. It's, it was always a negative thing. So these 300 out of the 10,000, so very few of them, are left. These, all, these 300 people... Maybe not the brightest crayons in the box, perhaps. You know, not the sharpest tools in the shed. But these were the 300 that God said, I'm going I'm to work with it. They're not afraid, and they're not very bright. <laughs> this is who I want to do. Now, why is God doing this? He's not trying to embarrass Gideon. Like, okay, here you go. Where did the story start? The people of Israel turned away 
from, the following, and from following God and his teachings that said, don't put anything else in front of me. Don't put your confidence in something that you made or that somebody else made and told you it was awesome that you should put there or something else that was there. We need to be trusting God, only God. And from that, God said, I want there to be no question that I was the one who did this. Like, Gideon, I want you to have to, to people to know that I put you up to this, and I want you to um, have your honor for this because you're willing for me to use you. But I don't want anyone to think Gideon was just so amazing that he did this because God took 300 people and scared away 100,000. I mean, just a crazy amount of, you know... It's like at a football game if the cheerleaders decided to attack the crowd, you know? It just doesn't, it, it, it doesn't even line up. It doesn't make sense. And I'm, no, I wasn't trying to draw the dumb with cheerleaders. I didn't think that out. It kind of came with it. Don't, don't, don't go there. I was just thinking, where would I get? Never mind. Never mind what I was thinking. It is not important. <laughs> I need to be careful when I shoot from the hip because sometimes it just goes anywhere. Um, so... Where was I going with this? <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so the 300, he, he scares them away. Gideon became the mighty man of valor that God always knew he would be. And when he first you know, spoke to him, mighty man of valor, he wasn't that mighty man of valor yet. And the times when God comes to speak to you, he, God knows who you will be. And he addresses you as the person that he created you to be, the purpose that you have. And so when, when you feel like, you know, if God talks to you and then like there's this, there's more honor set upon you than you've earned yet, it's because that's what he's calling you into. Does that make sense? Like you, oh God, no, 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 I'm, that's wrong. I haven't done that. No, not yet. But I can use you to do that thing I'm calling you to do. Yes, it's okay to be nervous about it because you don't know how to do it because you never have. That's okay. Just trust me. Do the things I tell you to do, and then, you know, and listen out, listen for God, what he wants you to do. Um, I saw another video that I thought was also encouraging for folks, that I would hope would be encouraging. Um, and there was a, uh, a guy that said, our brains, and I didn't get his name, so I can't give him credit, I'm sorry. Our brains do not process the negative. And the example he gave was, here's an example, just so you can believe, don't think of an elephant. What are we all thinking of? You know, probably Dumbo flying around. You know, don't think. I mean, you have to think of it and then tell yourself not to, but it's already there. You can't just make it leave. You have to think of something else and forget that thing you weren't supposed to be thinking of. Okay, with that concept in mind, he said that um, skiers, when they're going down the mountain, they're all like, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree. I would be doing that because I don't ski. It does not work well. I'm more just plummet. But, um, but those, you know... You know the, the thing where they, you, know, you become like this giant snowball and just you know, crush into the... That's me. That's me skiing, so I don't. But skiers are not saying don't hit a tree. They're saying, follow the path. Where's the path? Where's the path? What they're saying, what they're, they are calling themselves to the thing they're supposed to be focusing in on, which is this, the same thing we need to be doing. Whatever you're afraid of today, you can't get over it by thinking about it. You need to focus on the reason you don't have to be afraid. God, what do I need to do? Where am I going? What do I, how does this need to work? Um, there's always bad news. 
but good news stands out. And we have good news. The gospel of Jesus, the world, is not lost. It has a Savior, and we just need to connect people to that Savior. Um, as followers of Christ, we have good news for a sad and worried world. It doesn't mean that our problems will go away. It just means we don't have to face them alone. That is a huge comfort to me. Um, I've got some problems. I've got problems that I didn't think I would have, and I don't have a solution yet, but I have a God that's promised he will give me everything I need to get over that, and so do you. Um, and I, I'd want to invite you guys to think of something that is a fear for you. And I want you to name it and ask God right now as we pray for help with this fear. If you've got seven, go ahead, put them out there, you know. But at least one, something that you're afraid of, and ask for God's help. We're just going to pray real quick. God, you made us to be your people and your light to this world. God, it's your word that is a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Help us to find the path and avoid the trees. God, just pray your blessings on us as we go from this place, that we would take more light with us and let people see you shining through us. God, let, don't let the fear that we have close off the light that we have from you. Let us trust in you and just be safe in your arms. listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.